0: What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Small World Business Podcast. My name is Justin Colzo. I'm here with my
1: co-host. Dan Poku.
0: It's the small world, and business connects us all. So buckle up, and let's grow together.
1: All right, perfect. So we have another special guest on this week. A former um, co-worker of mine, my former boss, actually, to be exact. Uh, Mr. Scott Rosenberg. Um, so Scott, thanks a lot for being on our podcast. Definitely appreciate you making a time for it because as we all know, you are a very busy man these days. So um, definitely thank you for the time. But um, if you can just give us a little bit of information about yourself. You can go long winded or a little cliff notes wherever you want to go. But just tell us a little bit about yourself
2: sounds good dan and and justin really appreciate the opportunity to join you guys so um as dan said he and i worked together um at the last place we were together um but i have a long career which just means i'm old um but i but i've spent several several decades as a chief financial officer across many different companies and industries everything from ebay to Financial technologies with a company called Cabbage, um, e-commerce, B two B services, um, software—you name it. Um, but I've also been fortunate to um, be an operator. So I was president of a company in Atlanta. I've run marketing for J Crew. So had a, a great ride, as they say, career-wise. Um, born and raised New York. Fifty moves brings me to St. Petersburg, Florida. Uh, no more moves planned. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Nice. So this is pretty much home for you now.
1: Florida. This is home.
2: It, it's hard. It's hard to, uh, do better than paradise every day. So, uh, all right, uh, right. Exactly always right. So, point. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Right. Sorry to anybody in the Northeast or, or where it snows, but I left those days many, many years ago. All right. All right.
1: Same, same. So, um, I guess tell us a little bit about your life as a CFO, like what's the the ups and the downs, the pros, the cons. Um,
2: sure. Yeah. You know, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, listen, I think I think CFOs um, have, have some of the coolest opportunities because, you know, one of the th- great things about being a CFO, which you don't find in most other, uh, even executive roles, is we get to look across an organization objectively, whether it's sales, marketing, operations, technology, human resources, doesn't matter. You know, we have one focus and that's how to make a business better end to end um most others have to focus on optimizing their area we get to work broadly it's really ourselves and ceos that get to do it but sometimes even ceos have a bias um depending upon what their orientation is so you know the highs for me is is that you know you get to touch every part of a business make it better every day um you know the lows it really depends on on what the business is and what cycle it's in um you know if you're in a shrinking business you know, that's a low, right? Because you're always looking at cost cutting instead of growth opportunities. And that, you know, then you're affecting people's lives. Um, So the highs are are driving a growth business and actually having the opportunity to actually transact it and make even more value out of the business and, and for all of its stakeholders. So, you know, we we get a, a so we often get a bum rap, but we're actually doing a lot of good um, to drive businesses to new heights. All right. All right.
0: My first question is, you know, obviously you didn't start your career as a CFO. Why that route? Why not stop at a CF CFA, a uh, financial analyst or something a little easier where there isn't as much stress where you can still live comfortably? Yeah. Why? Why put yourself in that situation voluntarily?
2: That's a great question. I often ask myself that is, you know, <laughs> life would be a lot simpler, quite honestly, if not for uh, all the responsibilities. But, you know, it's interesting because when I was actually in college, I I even set my sights back then on being a CFO or a CEO. So I always wanted to run something. Um, so I think that was just in my blood. Um, and quite honestly, like a like a lot of, circumstances if you will you know you, you kind of get a taste of something and you want more um and, and to your point yeah I, I started out you know as a staff accountant for six months and then i got tapped and promoted to a senior and then i'm like accounting's great i don't want to do that as a career let me do some financial planning and management and shift it over there and started at the ground floor learned more and expanded upon it and continue to get uh, additional responsibilities so you know, I think for me, it was just around um, just kind of wanting to have a, as large um, a canvas as possible um, to help run and drive businesses. Um, I'm a numbers guy, so that was natural for me. Um, and I think just just because I, to me, I find business very simple, quite honestly, and, I, and it really is just a sport. Um, and I kind of approach it that way and I, and I'm a competitive sports guy and I'm uh you know, I like to apply it in the, in the business world as well. Gotcha. Is there any,
1: how do I put this? Is there like one initiative or change that you try to implement when coming into a company as a CFO, whether it be, um, let's say like a 401k change, change changing, um, providers or even like with health insurance, I know that tends to be like a big you know, topic as far as like cutting costs or finding like the best, you know, package for your employees? Is there anything that you kind of try
2: to implement coming into a business? You know, I'd say first and foremost, my approach to all my businesses, quite honestly, and, and I don't, I don't know that everybody takes this step, but they surely should, which is just, you know, I spend probably my first 30, 45 days learning, learning and listening, right? Um, so I can really understand not just, you know, you can, you can see on the surface how a business is performing. That's, that's great. That's kind of easy and doesn't take much. Um, but spending time to understand how businesses work and where those pain points are, that allows me to then step back and and really diagnose what we could do differently. And to your point, sometimes it's about those benefits that we're offering to people because you know, another thing lost on a, on too many people is, you know, the people in a business really are the differentiators. Even if you're selling something, manufacturing something, service company, um, you know, so part of it is just figuring out what's right for the people, and you can usually do both objectives: save money, make programs better, um, and, and everybody wins, right? Um, versus just take, take, take. Um, so, you know. It's an way overused kind of diagnostic, if you will. But you know, I always go into every business looking at people, processes, and technology, um, both within my organization and then broadly. Which again speaks to how the business is doing what it does, because um, it takes those three components to be successful. So that's that's what I do, and, and whether it's tinkering with uh, employee benefits and partnering with my HR leader um or just looking internally and saying you know what our financial system isn't going to take us to where we want to go let's rip and replace um and put in something that we can architect the way we want to run the business uh and get access to the information that helps us be better decision makers so um it i'd say if there's a common theme it would be about continuous improvement um, and that will then take on any number of tentacles, depending upon what you pointed at.
0: Yeah. You recently switched careers, you alluded to this earlier, you're no longer working at the same company as Dan. Uh, this is kind of a sidetrack, but what prompted the switch and then what prompted the decision to go with where, where you went?
2: Yeah. Um, so what prompted the switch? Um, you know, I, I had, so first and foremost, I, I accomplished what I set out to do where I was, uh, which was to run, grow, and actually sell the business. Um, so successfully accomplished all of that. And while I could have done it for a second tour of duty, if you will, um, what I wanted to do, and, and so it's always more exciting to do it the first time than the second time. Um, so quite honestly, part of the impetus was I wanted to do that again in a in a new company, but also personally and professionally, I went into an industry that I've never worked in before either. So I, I went into more of a professional services organization. Um, and want to bring what I have to offer to that company in that industry. I'll learn something new, that industry dynamic, that company nuance. But I'll also be able to, to kind of overlay to that business all the same success formulas um, that I've been able to do before. So for me, it was um, it's always a tough decision, to be honest, because I built great relationships where I was. And that's always the hardest part, in my opinion, of making a change. But I know I left the, the organization in great standing um, and built a great team that could go on without me. And that's another, you know, kind of success criteria I have is, you know, no business should have to rely on me. It should be able to work based on the great teams, processes, and, and technology that I've brought to it.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. So when you do transition between employers, is there any, like, lasting impact you wish to leave on that previous company? Whether it be like your connection with your your team or
2: other employees or is there anything else? Yeah, I I mean, for sure, the relationships. I mean, I I can honestly tell you that, you know, I hired a financial analyst. I don't even want to tell you how many years ago, Um, but let's just say over uh, 20 years ago. Um, I've been connected with him ever since. He's now a CFO of a golf technology company um and he and i stay connected because we're friends um not just because i hired him 20 years ago uh and and as i look across my career i can give you uh, i don't know hundreds of those examples 100 might be too much i need you 50 plus um maybe 100 uh examples of where those relationships just transcend where i am and what i'm doing uh because i i just I, you know i love the people i i've had the privilege to work with and by the way it extends beyond those that i brought in or the teams that i work directly with but you know they could have been my head of hr or head of operations or head of sales i just connected with my former head of sales out in la two weeks ago when i was out there for the all-star game and we started chatting like we never had 10 years in between the last time we saw each other. Um, it's just, it's just part of what I do and who I am and and what I really gravitate towards. Yeah. Yeah. That is the one thing I tend to hear the most at, you know, where I'm at now
1: is that, you know, stay connected to Scott, make sure you stay connected to Scott. <laughs> not only for your pool of resources, but your uh, wealth of knowledge too. So I, I appreciate that. There's a lot that, you know, I still want to learn from you. So that's um, definitely gonna stay connected on my
2: end for sure. <laughs> always here, always here from my my peeps. Yeah.
0: <laughs> one thing that I found really interesting, Scott, how old are you today? Very um, fifty eight. <laughs> fifty eight. You you're a spring chicken. You got plenty of life ahead of you.
2: <laughs> I, that's what I keep telling myself.
0: <laughs> but one thing that I found really interesting is when you mentioned. Part of the reason you took this new job was to learn and go into a new area and do some different things. the fact that at fifty eight years old you're still learning yeah i'm a I'm a big believer that you can always teach an old dog new tricks. No. do you find yourself going through everyday life still trying to learn new things? Is that like a a motto behind what you do or is it just kind of a career thing?
2: You know. I think I think as long as we're breathing, we're we're still learning. Um, it does tend because I am a workaholic. It does tend to be dominated by career um, and and opportunities. Uh, and by the way, learning for myself but teaching to others, uh, which is you know two sides of the same coin, um, is also important. And that's part of what I do when I enter an organization is I help teach. Um, you know personally. I think every human being is learning every day. You have a social interaction and it goes the way you thought it would, or it goes the way you didn't intend it to. That's a feedback signal, right? That either I did something wrong. What I said was not received the way it was intended. So, you know, I think part of it is you just have to, you have to constantly be aware and looking um, and listening for those signals so that you can get better. Um, so I do that, I think in the background, in my personal life, it's in the foreground in my professional life. Okay.
0: Okay. Cause I, I'm a big believer and you know, as you listen to, I think more so the earlier episodes I think Dan can vouch for this, I'm a big believer in building yourself a team around you. Uh, I always say you want to be the dumbest person in the room because mm-hmm. there's always something to learn from someone and some interaction that you could be better from, or things along those lines. So when people talk about learning different things and learning how to interact differently, to me, it like clicks a little switch in the back of my brain, so I was curious.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, and by the way, you know, what I tell all my my kind of peer execs is, most of the people in an organization don't report directly to us, right? Because if you think about an organization as a pyramid or a triangle, it's the people that work for us that have all the people. Um, so again, us execs, we do a little bit, um, everybody else does, you know, carries the big weights, you know, uh, and therefore to your point without a team, there's not an exec on this planet that can get anything done.
1: So I guess going along with that, are there any like qualities in particular that you look for when you try to surround yourself with certain people on your team?
2: Yeah. I mean, um, You know, to to your point, Justin, as well, you know, being the dumbest person in the room, I I think it's a matter of understanding what you're good at, but also understanding what you may not be as good at and surrounding yourself with folks that actually complement you as opposed to, you know, if if everybody's got the same skill set, you're going to be single threaded. You're not necessarily going to be much better, um, even though everybody's going to have their different experiences. But when you can start to build out this this chain of of knowledge, um, that's where you can where you can drive difference um, in the workforce, in people's lives in in customers, you name it. So for me, it's a matter of you know, I know what I'm really good at. I know what I'm trying to accomplish, and the team I want to build are the people that can can kind of share the vision and then do what they're really good at. And then collectively there's nobody better than us. Okay. Now let's sidestep
0: a little bit. Obviously a lot of what we talk about is everyday stuff. Uh, That being said, it is a predominantly business podcast. So let's take a look. We, you and I, Scott more so, and Dan hopped in halfway through the conversation Scott, we were having a conversation about the side hustle that you're starting. (laughs) Let's deep dive into that. Uh, You know, we got your background, all that stuff, but let's deep dive into where your focus on the side is going now.
2: Yeah, sure. Um, I appreciate the opportunity to do that. Listen, I kind of have an entrepreneurial brain um, that's, that's kind of stuck in a corporate world. Um, so I had the opportunity uh, a couple months ago to start thinking about um, you know what what do I want to do when the corporate gig is up. Um, so I actually am in the process of of launching an apparel brand that is going to be mission driven and focused on kind of ca- cancer patient, cancer survivors, cancer caregivers, um, and and the brand itself. That's that's underway is called radioactive where the the basis for it is i i personally i'm a three-time cancer survivor um and i came to this idea first and foremost because i was thinking about my own fundraising um in different events that i do Um, and then and then i started thinking a couple months ago and really i wasn't even thinking about it just popped into my head which is part of my challenges Things constantly pop into my head Um, and I usually can't get them out, but, um, but it then it kind of grew into this concept of, well, I can do more with this purpose. I can do more with this opportunity. I can do more with this, this branding idea to not only maybe put a smile back on people's faces that are current cancer patients or cancer survivors or caregivers or whatever and also take some of those proceeds from from uh kind of the the product sales and put it in the hands of those same consumers to say i want my 10 percent to go to this not-for-profit that fights this particular cancer or a, a broad cancer um foundation so work in process um probably be launched by the end of the summer um it's it's kind of getting out there slowly um but that's um that's going to be something that will be self-fulfilling from the standpoint of doing good while i'm here Mm -hmm. yeah and that's something that
1: justin and i talk about a lot and it's kind of like become the main theme of the podcast and kind of gotten away from the whole small world business but still you know keeping that you know true to our core but for me, I just started a um, nonprofit myself that will help like single parents, you know, obtain affordable housing. So, for me, I've always thought that was like my purpose, like my why, you know, why I was put here. Yeah. So, you kind of touching it with you know your clothing brand coming um, to fruition. Do you feel like that's like your why as far as like your
2: purpose here on earth? Yeah, I think I think it is part of my purpose. I okay. think my other purpose is is the lives I've affected you know in in the last 30 plus years that i've been doing what i'm doing but you know that purpose requires kind of a lot of one-to-one interaction with with somebody else on the other side of that relationship and i think what really takes it to a whole different level is being able to to kind of touch and and kind of impact somebody that i'll never meet somebody that I have a common link to because of the affliction that we've dealt with or had to deal with. Um, and there's just so many more people to impact. Um, and I think that is that is part of my, I think my purpose. Mm. Okay.
1: So does that then motivate you and kind of drive you to want to like get this thing launched And <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I just need another twenty four hours every twenty-four hour day and I'll yeah. I'll be golden. But um, right. but yeah, just trying to trying to get it across the finish line. Um I, I need to put more focus into it and uh and get it there. But uh but I promise, uh I promise it will get there and you will know about it when it does. Yeah, I can't wait. I always say I need like
1: two of me, you know, to deal with like the other <laughs> <I can't. laughs> There's not enough time in day to kind of do it all, but you know, hopefully at some point, you know, especially with my nonprofit, like it's officially registered. I'm waiting yeah. out back from the IRS, but still there's that extra grunt work that I have to put in to kind of like the website. And yeah, it's exactly
2: right. You know, so, setting
1: it up was the easiest step, quite right, honestly. Right. It's now, now the hard work comes in, right? Everything else. Yeah, now it's everything else. But it's like finding that time to do everything else. <laughs> it's the hard part. So
2: that's right. And like they say, sleep is overrated. So just sleep less <laughs> and do more.
1: All right, right. I can see you know (laughs) down the road when it's all launched
2: and that's right.
1: Yeah. So, but
0: Scott, my question is going to lean away from. Normally, I lean heavy into the mission side of things. Yeah. And and deep dive and divulge into that, but you kind of touched on your mission pretty heavily already. Uh, So I'm going to lean away from the mission side for once and talk more about the business side of things here. Is there is there a worry in the back of your mind about how saturated the apparel industry is, or no, because you're in such a, a niche area?
2: Yeah, um a little bit of both, quite honestly. Um I, I'm fortunate I, I have a bit of a, an apparel background, I have a consumer background, I have an e-commerce background in, in my corporate gig. So it's like I kind of know the know the devil I'm dancing with. Um uh, but you're absolutely right. I mean, brands pop up all the time, right? but um, I think what what has really maybe encouraged me is you look at some of these um, some of these marketplaces like an Etsy, uh, where you know, you know, who knew I needed a, a Marvel shirt that uh, you know had Captain America with Disney years? Who knew I needed that? Well, it's there. Well yeah. somebody needs it. Um, so I think something like that just says, there's always an opportunity out there. Um, and I think if you, if you have the right focus and, you know, you can connect, I think at the end of the day, you got to really drive this connection because, you know, does a cancer survivor want to walk around with something that, that identifies them as a cancer or something? Well, probably not. And radioactive wear says nothing. It could just be a whimsical brand, but you know what? The person wearing it knows what it means. Um, so who knows? But it's a great question you ask because, listen, the, the the world is filled with brands, logos, and everything else that people need or don't need. Why one more? Why not? Yeah. So was there intention behind
1: the name? Then it sounds like you didn't want to necessarily call out what it's representing, but at the same time, have it kind of be known to the that individual that's gonna be wearing the- Yeah, yeah
2: it, it does. So so when I when I came up with it for my fundraising effort, it was, I had just come off 37 radio, radiation treatments. Um, and, you know, it was challenging, but wasn't, you know, it was necessary. And as I was thinking about it, you know, what hit me was, well, well, geez, I'll just be, you know, I'll just name my team Radioactive Rosie. Will anyone know what that means? Absolutely not. You know, but I knew what it means. I knew what the, what the, what the source of it was and you know, now granted I was in a fundraiser for cancer uh, research. So everybody around me was, was kind of in a similar boat, but yeah, for me it was um, you know, it had that connection point and, uh, and I thought it was whimsical, but then again, as a, you know, a couple months ago, I thought it, it could be, it could be more than self-focused on my fundraising team name and more of something that I felt there's a broad audience that wants to, well, maybe not even wants to bond over something, but has a bond, whether they want it or not. Um, and therefore. Hey, let's rise up. Oh, look at my that.
0: Dog's whining outside my door. Sorry about that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Better him than me. <laughs> uh,
0: so I'm going to backtrack. I, I'm a very big mission guy. Um, yeah. I, I had a feeling I was going to not be able to <laughs> skip over it.
1: Yeah, I was like, once you pass over, I was like, there's no way you're just not going to come back to that.
0: So we talk about it with every guest that we have. We talk about it almost every episode, point blank, period. What we find, I mean, we've interviewed four, five,
1: five? Yeah, entrepreneurs
0: five. now. Yeah, All of them share one common trait, and it's that they find staying true to their missions is what makes them most successful. Now, you've touched on a little bit, both per your personal mission and in your business's mission. Um, And so I think that having those two things divulged and separate is important. Do you think that there is a little overlap? So not only helping people going through what you've gone through or the caretakers or people that have that bond, but then also just helping everyone else. Is there is there room for overlap in those or are you trying to keep those two missions separated?
2: Um, not trying to keep them separated at all. I think, I think they're inseparable um, quite honestly. in in my case, um, because you know, it would be one thing if I were sitting, sitting on the outside, looking in as an example, let's say I just decided, Hey, let me think about what market do I want to want to speak to? Well, let me speak to, you know, hope people affected by cancer and I never was, you know, I think that still is a tremendous mission. Um, but it doesn't have that personal kind of connection to it. Um, so I think in my case they're they're inextricable. Now, it's not to say that I don't have a bunch of other ideas to do that are, they kind of tap into some of my other passions and I want to share them with others, but it doesn't have that same deep rooting, if you will if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure you get a lot of business ideas. It's kind of like how Justin is. He always has like a new, you know, venture or yeah. Models constantly yeah rolling. When, how do you know which one to kind of like take seriously and which one to kind of like, all right, scrap it. Let me kind of throw that in the trash and move forward. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, well first, first of all, I, I you know, In everyday life, I usually run into something where you know, you bang your head and you go, why didn't I think of that? But there's a lot of things where I run into them and go, well, I don't see a solution for that. What a great thing I can solve. And then I Google it and it's there. Um, So you go, I've never seen it, but obviously it exists. So let's not go down that path. I I think it's a matter of, um, you know, do you really... Do you believe there's a there there, right? Um Can it be something that is worth investigating? And I say investigating because, listen, at the end of the day, it takes capital to do these things, right? You gotta be you gotta have the resources to to bring an idea to life. Um, and like I say in corporate world, strategies are cheap. Execution is expensive and hard. So is the case in small business. Like ideas are easy. Um, we have them all the time, commercializing them, making them successful. I mean, that takes, that takes guts and, uh, and, and financial resource and, and just perseverance to make it happen. Um, so you want to be, you want to be diligent. Um, you want to be, um, really tough on them, um, to, to make sure they are worth that investment. Um, and can actually be something um, because again everybody you know it's easy to come up with an idea because you want to make a lot of money it's hard to come up with an idea that people actually want um, and it's even harder to come up with something and create a need not a want um, needs are long lasting wants are going to come and go I like that
0: What's the mission for radioactive wear? Or, excuse me, not the mission. What's the vision? Is what I meant to say. Words get mixed up. Where do you see it going?
2: Um, You know, I'd love to see it uh, really be something that knits together uh, this community and something that is a little bit less um, deep and daunting um, and something that can even bring a smile to somebody's face because they just know. One, they're not alone. Two, in interacting and buying something, part of that's going to further advancement to help eradicate the problem. Um, You know, this thing, there's nothing that stops it from being global in this world because cancer knows no limits geographically. Uh, The Internet allows us to have a bunch of faceless interactions from a, a human to human perspective. But still connect. Um, so to me, the vision is let's let's blow this thing sky high and you know bring some smiles, raise a lot of money, um, and have fun with it because uh, you know it's it's not often you can have fun with cancer. But um, again, I, I don't say it lightly. I my mindset is one that I don't let anything defeat me um, nor drag me down. So I want to share a little bit of that.
1: Now, is this something that you've been kind of lone whooping, like doing yourself? Or have you started to kind of build that team around you to get it over the finish line? Are you kind this of like?
2: Is, <laughs> yeah, this is as bootstrapped as it gets. And it's, uh, you know, if, if I want, you know, if I want to ask somebody to do something, I better be looking in the mirror because it's coming back to me. It's like, get that done. Okay, I'll get that done. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's me, myself, and I, I have obviously a support group around me, my family, um, that is well aware of what I'm trying to do and and ready, willing, and able to jump in and help spread the word. Mm -hmm. Um, but quite honestly, getting something up and running, Dan, you, you, you probably feel the same thing. I mean, one, it's on my back. Um, I got to do it it's the vision is mine, the the connection, while they're all connected to it through me, um through our collective experiences. It, it's mine, it's mine to uh, get launched, and then then I can start to um, kind of bring in others. And I'm I, I, I take all help and uh, anybody that says, "Hey, I can help you with that website, I'm like, all right, let's get this done. Um, but uh, but i'm carrying I'm carrying the burden really not a burden i'm carrying the passion um of getting this thing done and um and until i get it seated it, it's hard to um it's hard to build a team around it because it's just yeah. too early right right and i think that was my thing too is that
1: i have that vision of how i want things to kind of pan out and right. play out it's like bringing on people too early might cloud that vision in a sense so it's like it's yeah. kind of like you know do all the grunt work now and then yeah draw yourself with people that connect to your vision or your mission and
2: then kind of see where you can take it from there exactly or it may even just slow you down right because yeah. uh because again you you got to kind of got to communicate the vision they got to get the vision and, and that takes time yeah. um you know as opposed to you know it you got it you understand it you drafted it you you cut out the middleman essentially because it's all you right and yeah. at least to get it up and going and then um then you're absolutely right you can bring people in and um, and you don't have to worry so much about how long it's going to take because it's already there. Now it's around nurturing it and growing it and making it all that it can be. Yeah. Yeah, that's true.
0: Now I literally kept forgetting this. So anyways, the side hustle that is radioactive, wear is it relatively hushed in your everyday life? The people like your friends and family, or is it something that you're like, I'm doing this and then, sidebar question the people that do know what's the support looking like
2: yeah yeah it is largely in my daily life it's hush hush because it's it is truly something that i am now trying to bring up on the side and it it doesn't have a place um in kind of the my day-to-day if you will um you know as as it relates to the support system they're probably even kicking me in the butt going where are you how's it coming what have you done lately i'm like yeah i know i know i know um and, and again so so that inner circle um is is there to help make sure it doesn't burn out mm-hmm. um and it won't uh, it, it it absolutely won't but um but it, it's just that little kick that that makes sure it's moving forward um even even some of the folks that uh, that i've partnered with in the commercial aspect that that are friends of mine they're like reaching back out say like, hey did you have that conversation i'm like i did this is what i need to do next and they're like okay let me know let me know what you need so it's a great um, it's great to have those folks that are in the know um, but i'm I was also very mindful of not not making too much of it because the other thing I didn't want to do is create this broad expectation and then fail it. Um, so I, I'm trying to kind of nurture it. Um, and then when it's ready, good luck trying to stop here in a minute. Was there any like
1: hesitation when you first thought of the idea and wanted to to get into the apparel
2: industry yeah you know it, it's kind of it kind of goes back to any any good idea um, yeah. you know I, I've, I've had lots of ideas that were either before their time or too late um, and those that were before their time i really didn't do much with um, because i wasn't in a position to really have it be more than an idea mm-hmm. um, but then i look back and go i had that idea first there it is had I only done something with it. But, um, so for me, it was really a matter of, you know, I'm ready, I'm ready to do this. Um, and, and I think, and I think it could be something and, and, and for all the reasons we talked about.
0: Yeah. There's something that we talk about a good amount. Uh, we refer to it as the imposter syndrome. And I think, for you, it goes in two different realms. For you, I think it starts with work as a CFO, more so when you were starting out in that upper-level C-suite job. Did you ever like have a point where you're like, what the hell am I doing? How would I get here? I don't really know what's going on. Did that happen to you? Did that ever click?
2: Um, listen, the first time you do anything, I think you you kind of get that feeling. Um, you know, The first CFO role I had, I mean, I... Personally felt I was ready and capable, um, but had I ever done it before? No, um, so, so there's this, there's this churn in internally around, well, you know, can I do this? Um, and then guess what, you do it. Um, and then you get another learning and you do that. And then now it becomes experience. Um, so yes, uh, and by the way, even before C-suite, if I was put in a position that I would never done before, it was the same thing. The first time I got asked to run marketing and and produce um, you know, TV and radio commercials, uh what the hell do I know? I'm a finance guy. Um, uh, but I got the opportunity to do that and I did it. Um, so you know, I, I think it's healthy to to kind of have that um trepidation um i think it creates um something that's too often lost which is humility um, and i and i think it keeps uh, it keeps me grounded um and it and like we talked about earlier it, it 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 kind of fuels that thirst to learn um if you will right if you think you know everything then, we'll, then you know why why think you need to learn anything so
0: take that then to radioactive where do you get that feeling starting this you know, obviously, you have experience in most of the stuff that goes into it, yeah. But I, I would take a stab at saying this is your first time doing it on your own. Do you, you have that it. feeling?
2: Uh, all the time. Um, you know, it, it's one thing when you're running I I don't know, a billion dollar brand, and and you got this whole infrastructure that's doing everything. Um, to going, geez, what colors do I want? Uh, it's like, I think that color would be a good choice for the women's brand. Um, you know, it's so while I have exposure to all of the things that go into, uh, kind of building, running, um, an e-commerce business and an apparel brand, I always did it for someone else. Um, when you do it for yourself, you know, you're going to learn a bunch, um, you're going to get into weeds that you didn't know existed. Um, now the, the good news is my life doesn't depend upon it. Like I can still provide for my family and everything. Um, and I can do this passion. Um, I'd be a hell of a lot more nervous and worried if everything depended on the success of it. I'm confident it will be a success, but if it's a 10th of what I think it could be that would be awesome.
1: I guess to kind of tag along to Justin's question, is there ever any felt pressure, whether it be a CFO, cause a lot of people oftentimes looking at you for the answer, <laughs> um, um, is there any pressure when it comes to being in, in that
2: leadership position?
1: And you can take it with your clothing brand too, is there any pressure to kind of make
2: that be successful? um yeah i i mean we'll start with the corporate side of the of the question i mean you know i often say to to other execs um you know words words and messages matter um you know people look up in an organization and they're really listening intently on what's being said um and if you say the wrong thing the organization goes off in the wrong direction um or just feels doesn't feel the way that it was intended to make them feel um so I think there is a lot of pressure at the top of an organization to to kind of know that people are looking towards you and to you for direction confidence um, meaning sometimes um so yeah the, it, it, it's it's pressure packed and again back to your question Justin. You know, do I ever feel like I, you know, that imposter syndrome? I mean, that first time when you're in that position and you're doing it, you're like, "Boy, I hope I got that message right." Uh, You know, so I think it's natural. Um, You know, in radioactive wear, you know, there's the pressure. There's some, but guess what? All that pressure is coming from me. Um, you know, because again, it's, it's one, not many people know about it. So it's not like there's this big brand that's waiting to be launched and everybody's like, where is it? It's like, it's me going, where is it? Uh, it's this great opportunity. Let's get to it. Um, so it's, it's different. Now, my answer may change down the road when it's a thing. Um, but right now it's, it's just kind of that inward pressure to make it a thing.
0: It's funny that when, when you're talking about radioactive wear and said that, you know, you feel that feeling of, you know, is this the right decision? You feel it every day because I think every single person that, that Dan and I have talked to when I ask about imposter syndrome, I don't think there's a single one that was given a different answer besides all the time.
2: Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, if you're not feeling it, then uh, maybe you don't. Maybe you don't need it enough. Maybe you don't, um, you know. Maybe you're just not thinking about it um, from somebody else's perspective. Um, and again, it it varies depending on what it is that you're you're trying to do. Um, but I think that pressure. I always find that that if you can put that pressure on yourself, then it's hard for you to feel pressure from others. Sometimes, um, so you you're almost like stress testing your commitment um and and, and kind of your your kind of um uh, fortitude to get it done yeah yeah
1: and i think it also shows that you really care about what it yeah. is what you're doing too because if you didn't care about it then you know you wouldn't have those feelings or those second thoughts or you know all like the stresses that comes with it um so i think it actually shows that you actually care about whatever it is you're trying to
2: yeah um, yeah Or or you know what it would have been like any other good idea that gets thrown to the wayside right it's correct. like that was a great idea for 10 minutes. Yeah. All right, what's next? All right,
1: all right. Um, yeah, that's good, that's good. Um, so I do have a question when it comes to eBay, because back in the day, eBay was like my thing. I used to buy anything and everything on eBay before Amazon, I would say. Yeah, yep. uh-huh. now he
0: buys it all at Goodwill.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> now I just got <laughs> the trash. But uh you tell me about your time at eBay, I know like you were very instrumental on them going public. If I'm not mistaken but um yeah just tell me about your time at ebay
2: yeah yeah i'll i'll set that that story straight a little bit so it was a public company so i was with a public company that they acquired okay um so so i was with a company called gsi commerce so we we were kind of a uh a, probably the the largest e-commerce outsourcing company so we did everything from building websites for for household brands um, and retailers that you all know we built the web stores so their online presence we created we did all the package fulfillment all the customer service um, servicing um, all the marketing and demand generation so we were essentially those brands online Um, we did it for hundreds of brands um, and we acquired a bunch of companies ultimately um, i was part of the team that sold that public company to eBay as their it became eBay enterprise, kind of focused on large retailers as opposed to, if you think about eBay, the heritage of eBay is connecting individuals, right? Buyers and sellers, uh, kind of consumer to consumer almost, um, or small business to consumer. So we were the the large, um, large merchant play. Um, so it was great uh, great opportunity um i joined a business that was sub 300 million which i know is a big business um but in eight years we went from 300 million just under 300 million to 1.8 billion uh in eight years time so it was a great great run and experience and i got to do probably eight different roles in the financial realm and it, up until uh, and including becoming CFO of eBay Enterprise um, under under eBay, so it was again great experiences. I got exposure to PayPal when PayPal was part of eBay before they split. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, it, it just reinforced a lot of my e-commerce, my marketplace learnings, um, payment tenders, you name it. It was uh, it was just a, again one of those special opportunities. Um, that uh that I was a part of.
0: Okay. Thank you. So I end every episode that we bring a guest on with a question that piqued my interest when Dan first asked it to our first guest. And I'm gonna take this twofold because you are uh doing both a full-time job and a little bit of a side hustle. So if you could leave behind one piece of advice for someone starting a business and then go one piece of advice for someone working full time, trying to grow in their career, whether they're starting a business or not, but someone working full time with other Mm -hmm. stuff going on. What are those two pieces of advice?
2: Yeah. um, Great. Uh, um, Starting a business, I think um, pay attention to the details. Um, Details matter. Um, You know, that that would be the one piece of advice um if i could if i could buy a vowel and get a second piece of advice it would be to um you know to 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 have that have that inner circle have have that um kind of group of folks that you can you can kind of bounce things off of and and help um help validate um you know because you know the beauty of us all is we're, we're all consumers, so we know what we would, we know how we think about different things that are made available. So I think that inner circle um, is helpful, but that's but if you pay attention to details, I, I think that's job one, because there's so much that goes into starting a business. You need to be a Jack or Jill of all trades um, and really think, think about things um, end to end. Um, somebody working full time and, and trying to do something on the side. Um, figure out how you can allocate and manage your time. Um, because quite honestly, I'll add a third dimension to it, which is which is family and, and personal. Um, you know, you need to you need to allocate time to to kind of take care of it all if you're working full-time but your mind is 100 percent on your side hustle you're, you're the thing that's actually paying you to help develop your side hustle might end um so so you have to do the day job and you have to allocate time to to kind of this this passion this this idea this opportunity um and then um you know but don't 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 get so consumed that you've lost sight of everything else around you.
0: So off of that, you know, you talk about time management. When we ask a lot of people that we speak with, we ask, how do you manage the time?
1: Balance and everything.
0: Verbatim, Dan, we interviewed Dan's cousin, who runs a almost like a consulting firm of sorts. Yep. And her response verbatim was, well, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> and so she really had, I mean, it was a while, it was almost two months ago, but she really talked about prioritization and mm-hmm. prioritizing different things at different times. Where does that play in? I guess, you know, prioritization rather than time management.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think it, I think it almost follows suit with, um, with, with kind of my previous comment on, you know, it, if given the choice, and I'm going to get this wrong because my family constantly tells me I get this wrong i prioritize that 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 day job right because that is what provides the means for everything else um so the prioritization quite honestly should be date well again this is all wrong my family will tell you it's family first corporate job second everything else okay but i'm i'm warped and i mentioned i'm a workaholic so corporate job first family everything else um my wife were in here. She'd tell you I still have it wrong because families last, and I'm doing a horrible job. She'd be right. <laughs>
1: I guess my my last question is kind of connected to Justin's question, but for that aspiring CFO, what's like a piece of information or a nugget you would give them to kind of help them along the way? Because like everyone. May want the title of CFO, but not necessarily know what comes with that title. So, what's yeah. like advice you may give to like an upcoming CFO?
2: Um, uh, one, be careful what you ask for. Um, you know, go go into it both eyes wide open. Listen, it's um, it's very fulfilling. It's very rewarding. Um, you get to affect so many things. Um, it's, it, it's not. For the faint of heart um it's not easy um but just you know if, if you want if, you, if that's what you want go for it um the other thing i would say is just be a better listener than talker um just really learn learn what drives your business um it will make your life that much better and easier um uh, I, I remind everybody that I work with that the financials are always lagging indicators. They are, they are the result of everything else that's been done by the people processes in a business. If you understand what's happening upstream, you, you will affect the outcomes, which are the financials. Um, so just because you're CFO doesn't mean that you can make a difference if you're not affecting how business is done.
0: Uh, I'm verbatim in quotes wrote down go in bucked eyes wide open. I think I might be the saying of the uh, of the week. <laughs> I like that one. Uh, Scott, we end every episode with or without a guest. A question from my big book from Target 3,000 questions about me. Awesome. Give, give me a number one to 3,000.
2: Favorite number nine. Going right to the front of the book. There you go. It should be easy for I'm you, Justin. Ho- I'm hoping the easy questions are up front. <laughs> and question 3000 is how are you going to solve world hunger? Yeah. Um, I
0: don't know how much I like this one, but I'm going to ask <laughs> it anyway. Uh, what living person do you most despise?
2: Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, I don't want to make this a political uh, meeting, and I'll alienate at least half of your audience. Um. I'm just gonna go right now, Donald Trump. I just gotta go there. That's fair. Yeah, that, that's my my answer as well. <laughs> sorry, sorry to you Trumpsters, but you'll yeah, learn. Right. You'll learn another day. I don't, you can I'm pick. Not, you really, can pick one, Justin. I'm not even
0: sure that I really have an answer. I mean, I I really go about life trying not to hate anyone, so I don't. I don't know. That's bizarre.
2: Some, Some people make it really hard, though.
0: Yeah, that's a very fair <laughs> point. Some people just start asking <laughs> to be you hated.
2: That's try. right.
1: Yeah, you try. Dan, give me a one? random
0: number that's not nine.
1: I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, going with Scotch Logic. Uh, let's go 25.
0: 25. I should be able to find that one quickly. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Who are your favorite writers?
2: Wow. Um much better question. Yeah. Let's see. Um I don't know that um this is gonna really really play well because it's it's more he's a writer of um kind of these um documentaries, if you will. So I'll take it out of the the actual literary world and, and just think of it more from a, a director and writer of, of kind of the The collections um you know it would be ken burns um i think from from uh somebody that's connecting us with different things in history that i think um again similarly bring us all together he's he's not he's not a writer like a a stephen king who i also like because i'm a horror buff but um but i think ken burns allows us to to really learn about things that are important in american history um, in a way that um, maybe makes it a little bit more consumable for more people um, because of the way he's done it, whether it was jazz, um, whether it was um, the Civil War, whether it was baseball. Um, he just did Muhammad Ali, um, just a great series of, of knowledge that he's, he's woven together um, in a very consumable um, manner. It's a horrible answer, by the way, but um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with it. Dan, um, you said how many? One, two, three.
1: Pick fourteen. I don't care. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I, a- I didn't I didn't I write the book, it. dude. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said there was a number attached to it. Um, favorite? It's more so she's a poet, and I would say Maya Angelou, mm. as, far as like one of my favorite writers. Just uh, the works of art. I would say that she kind of put together. really instrumental to me and they always like resonate to you know my logic and my thinking so um obviously yeah Maya Angelou for sure
0: I would say Simon I'm going to take this a totally different route than either of you guys I'm going to say Simon Sinek uh I think that his route on leadership and business development is unmatched um that being and, and even just his TED talks outside of his writings are phenomenal But my favorite book is and will remain Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey, who is blatantly not a writer. The only book. (laughs) Um, But in regards to just overall writings, I would definitely say Simon Sinek uh, has definitely put a lot of good stuff out there.
2: That's a a great one. And I think what he does really well is he takes these... These concepts and just makes them so simple to understand and, and drive. Um, you know, start with why is a fantastic um, kind of grounding for companies to think through. Um, yeah, I, I would agree with you there. That's that's a great one.
0: Uh, Scott, where on social media's can our follower our followers, our listeners find you? Uh, you have Instagram, LinkedIn, any of that stuff that you use pretty actively
2: yeah i'm on linkedin um i'm on facebook um i'm on instagram but if you ask me what my handle is i, I know it's like new york rosie nine that's where i got the nine that's my jersey number when i play baseball um so so um uh, all those places but uh if you if you reach out to me i'll probably see you more on facebook or linkedin than i will on instagram but um that's where i'm at now but once I launched this brand, I got to be everywhere. So yeah. I may I may have to figure out how to TikTok, but I'm really loving it. I'm <laughs> not looking forward to that. Yeah, I would love to see a TikTok. Yeah, that. I'm sure you would. And that's where I have to surround. Remember, we talked about surrounding yourself with people that are really good at things. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a great example. Oh man, can't well, wait!
1: Can't Scott, wait, Scott. We
0: absolutely appreciate yeah. your time. It was a great conversation, and yeah. you know. Dan, thanks for having a such a great connection.
1: <laughs> I know, I know, I couldn't wait to have you on the the podcast. So yeah, thanks a lot for making the time for us, and we definitely appreciated uh, the conversation. So
2: awesome, I appreciate the opportunity, guys. It was a blast spending the time with you, and I uh, I, I hope it was uh, it was a good one for you all. Um, and I look forward to uh, you know any any other way I can be helpful. Awesome, for sure. Thanks,
1: Dan. Yeah, yeah, with the apparel brand, let us know if there's anything.
2: That we I can do, yeah. so well okay. offline you guys send me your sizes and i'll uh, make sure you get something so i can shamelessly use you as advertisers perfect that's good enough good great. enough <laughs> awesome guys have a great one thanks again, thanks again we'll all see right. you guys next week yeah. thanks for listening all right have a good one yeah. Bye.